today's podcast, um, I had a really, really interesting chat with Andy, who uh, was an alcoholic. And we, we talked about the really sensitive topic of how his drinking affected his young family and how he came to realize that his dependency on alcohol was something that he had to deal with and he talked about how much more present and how much creativity he has now in his life and how he spent many years sort of using alcohol to dull the feelings he was afraid of the feelings of fear and shame and that whole shame cycle i think you'll enjoy this one hi andy hello marie Oh, thank you so much for joining me. And and thank you for joining me specifically to talk about this topic, which is about um alcohol and alcoholism. And um and I wondered whether you could just paint a picture of your life now. You know, what does your world look like now? Okay, thanks, Marie. Um <clears throat> in a in a word, um life's good now. Um, in so many different, so many ways, um, I think I, the way I generally, the way I feel it, from day to day is, you know, contented. Mm. I'm, you know, life's pretty good. It's okay. Um, I kind of have developed a kind of a, a philosophy that says, you know, um, accept the way things are, the world as it is. Don't, I don't know, um, be a little bit um, careful about your expectations, you know. Um, so life is good. Um, not, you know, obviously um, it's now been quite a few years since I had my last drink. Um, and it's easy in those early days to think that if I stop drinking, that, you know, if one stops drinking, that the, that all your problems will be solved. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, you know, life goes on. And um, so there's lots of ups and downs and members of my family have those ups and downs. And I'm thankful for the, that I'm generally there to be able to, um, to help, um, usually to understand what other people are going through, um, to support them. I mean, even in a very, very minimal, trivial way, you know, even last night, I can get a phone call at 11 o'clock at night saying, can you pick me up? from a nightclub in town and I can hop in the car and go and get this is my daughter. Um, and I can, I've been able to do that for 20 years or so. And that's a very simple thing, but it, it, every time it reminds me that, um, I don't have to stop and think, have I had a drink today? Have I, you know, what have mm. I had to drink? Would I be okay? Mm. Can I risk it? Um, mm. um, I know in a good, clear conscience that I can deal with that and I can deal with, you know, if, you know, as has happened occasionally, um, members of my family run into bigger problems than that. Mm. Um, you know, even on a night out, for example, I can be there and deal with it calmly and reasonably mm. most of the time. I'm not perfect, of course, um, but I'm a better listener. I'm a better learner. Um, my mind was pretty much shut off to everything. Um, when I was drinking, um, briefly touch on that, <laughs> um, you know, I was absent and now I feel like I'm present in the lives of my family and friends. Um, um, in what are the ways my life has changed? Um, as I said earlier, I, you know, I thought 
if I stop drinking, all my problems will go away. Whereas in fact, quite a few new problems emerged. Um, I found work increasingly difficult. I was getting older. Um, and, um, it was time to move on, move out, do something else. And I found that transition difficult, um, and painful to some extent. Was that, and, would that have been uh, a situation where alcohol might have helped? Alcohol would have made it a lot worse. Right. Um, yeah. If I'd been drinking, those sort of big problems when they came along would have been, you know, um, would have been, I want to say catastrophic, but that's not the case, but I would have seen it that way. I might have made it into as big a drama as possible, but um, no, I've navigated a way through those big problems and um, out the other side, and I'm sure there will be more. Mm. Um, but um, what you le- what I learned early on, and I remember someone saying this to me in recovery, I must say a little bit more about that later, but um, that Everybody, people out there, you may not stop and think about it when you're wrestling with um, alcohol or any other um, drug or addiction. Um, but other people, everybody, your neighbours, your, um, your colleagues, they're all f- dealing with big shit too. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. they've got problems that, um, and and yet they don't pick up. They don't have to. Um, Um, not everybody, you know, feels a need to, um, I don't know, I kind of look at it as kind of like comfort eating, Mm. um, drinking to kind of um, ignore, sidestep, I don't know, get get around the problem, not have to face the problem. Yeah. Um, Dull, dull, dull the issue. Sorry? Dull the issue. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes, it's definitely, it's about avoiding it. It makes it go away briefly. Um, So anyway, yeah. So what else, um, how else is my life? What else is my life like now? Yeah, as I say, I'm present. I'm there for my family. Um, There's some ups and downs. Generally, we all get along well. I'm, in many ways, I'm more fulfilled because I'm, um, I'm in good health. I'm, um, getting on with some of the things I wanted to do all my life, like write, you know, I, yeah. I, which I couldn't understand in my drinking why it was uh, impossible to get any any further than a few sort of um, botched attempts. Um, but actually to see it through and um, turn it into something and find fulfillment through that has been worthwhile. Um, and, you know, um, I enjoy an active life too. So I um, run, swim, get out, just get out in the um, – um outdoors as much as possible you know it's a part of my yeah in, in a way that i met people in recovery again who kind of got really like i need to go for a run or i need to do triathlon or i and they were finding another almost like a cross addiction into yeah. exercise with that endorphin kick mm. but i've reached a point where i don't i just simply do it for i could slow as you know if i go for a run we go slow or fast or um i don't time it i don't care if i miss a day i don't care um yeah. it really is about just getting out and feeling better um enjoying nature which is something that sounds a bit um i think some people might just think it's a little bit of a, a foolish romantic idea um, but I think these days a lot of people are appreciating that a connection with nature and a connection with other people, these Definitely. things, these things um, 
help you. What's the word I'm looking for? To feel more um, contented. I'll go back to that word I used at the beginning. You know, just that life life's okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I I don't drink very much. And I was a, well, when I say I don't drink very much, I probably have about two units a month. And, um, and I used to be a real social mm. drinker, you know, mm. proper party girl. And then I didn't do anything. Yeah. Because I was feeling hungover or feeling that kind of um, sluggishness yeah. that you get. And so I can imagine that, mm. that that feeling of being outdoors and wanting to just mm. be connected yeah. with exercise and nature, whatever is, is much more available to you. Yeah. And initially it is a, a kind of, a, it can be a bit of a distraction. Um, and you sort of go rushing to find this because it makes you feel better. And the, the, I, what I've learned in, as the years have gone by is that actually that car all calms down and you just get on you with your life, with your life and feel really that you are, <clears throat> um, you know, on the same page as most other people who or pe- people who don't have these problems. Although, having said that, it's always I have to keep reminding remind myself on a daily basis, in some way or other, um, that I I'm not in a position where I can pick up. And if they pick up a drink, that's good for them, but not for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that yeah. that kind of leads me on to ask you, like, when. When did did your world turn from enjoying a drink to realizing that this actually might be an issue for you, a dependency for you? Mm. You know, where where were you in your life, and what did that look like? Um, <clears throat> I have to kind of track that back to um, my the way I would drink when I was young, and um, my family background is that army boarding school. In my family life at home, drinking is a big thing, was a big thing. Um, I wouldn't say anybody in my family was an alcoholic, um, but drink was a major part of it, as was. And that was the case for most of the people I knew at school. Their parents were in the the services and um, drinking was a big thing. So it was a big thing at home, but at school it was this, it was, it was not allowed, of course. but it was possible when he became a teenager, it was possible to find ways to, to get booze, get drunk. Mm. And that was all part of a, a rebellion, um, great fun, bonding with other people. Yeah. Um, and it was all good and it was all fairly reckless and fairly dangerous. And, um, but even, but at that young age, when things went wrong, always a good story would come out of it. Other people would enjoy it and I wouldn't be the only one. Um, because other people were going through that process and then gradually as the years went by most people wise up to it and realize that hang on this isn't worth it whereas at some point along the way i realized that no this is important to me right. that that it's um if someone's on a dull day if someone suggests going out for a drink it lifts my mood if um if someone suggests uh, that it's not possible to go out for a drink for the next three days or something then i'm going to go in a downer um, so what, what are we going to do then? You know, how, and that, that, so that kind of thinking was creeping in from an early age. Um, but it didn't really ever go anywhere because I knew plenty of people. I surrounded myself by people who enjoyed a drink too. Yeah, so, um, yeah. so we just carried on and that, that was fine. Um, I, 
you know, through university days, I drank probably a lot, you know, I drank a lot more than some people. Um, but there were plenty of us also hitting the bar and drinking heavily. And, um, so I didn't really see that as a problem only when I think I had a, a wake, a realization at one point when I was alone and, um, um, Actually, the story goes really that it was of my first visit to America. I was going to study there for two years and I'd arrived in Newark, New Jersey, and I was in a motel and I didn't know anybody, but I had a bottle of Glenfid, I have duty free whiskey in my bag. And that made the bleak hotel room and this rather um, scary experience of starting um, a, um, a long four semesters. Um, course in the states it made made that all manageable so i uh, drank mm -hmm. some of the whiskey enough enough just to um get me through that night and get on the plane and that, that was fine but um um i was aware that somehow that connected me by the whiskey bottle connected me with other people that i knew back at home who would also be drinking my father and so on right. so it was a point of connection with uh, them and i knew they would get be going yeah fine do it and my, even my father would be like, of course. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there was another part of my head say, saying, um, you want this need, you need this, this is, this is making it all go away. Yeah. This is an experience in a life that you're uncomfortable with. And what are you doing about it? It's an uncomfortable experience. So you're not having it. Yeah. And that's where I've got to today, which is I have all the feelings, you know, the sadness and the anger, whatever they are, the, the things that we deem to be feelings that we run away from, that we avoid. They're the ones. They're also feelings that we need to have. They're part of the. Yeah. They're part of the spectrum. Um, human psychology. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, but I was avoiding feelings of um, and, loneliness and, and, and that mm. sense that you were drinking alone. You know, it, mm. it's there's that social kind of norm or non-norm isn't there mm, that like yeah. if you're if you're in a group setting it's okay to chuck back as much as you want but if you're if you're alone mm. then that's um yeah different somehow yeah it wouldn't have been the first time that i had a drink alone at that point i was in my early 20s i'd done it before um but it was the first time that it clicked really that those are particularly um strong feelings and I really needed to not have them at that point. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before it was boredom, or, you yeah. know, um, nothing else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what you're saying about um, being alone, though, I can remember somebody that I met in recovery saying, uh, you know, she remembered a time when she remembered a time when um, she wished her best friend would just fuck off her and leave her alone to drink. And I remember thinking, your best friend. Yeah. You want your best friend to go. Yeah. So that you can be alone, so you can get on with the drink because you know your best friend's got your best interests yeah. and is going to say that's enough. Yeah. But that's not what, that's not going to yeah. make those feelings go away. Yeah. And I think that's the key to it all. It's all about, it's all about um, difficult feelings and having them and living fully the whole lot um, and accepting whatever life brings mm -hmm. the good and the bad mm -hmm. um that it won't that most of those things won't harm you mm -hmm. you know so you're kind of reaching a point you've got to develop a philosophy that means you, you um or i had to that meant that i could 
face things, face some of these things that I would otherwise have avoided. Um, so when did the family come into your world? You know? um, so from that point, I met my partner, and then from the from the before the situation I just described, going to the United States. Um, and then that was good. We stayed together and um, still married. And um, my partner is has a different family background, so her experiences are different. Um, she doesn't, enviably to me, she doesn't feel the need to drink. Um, it's not of any interest. Um, so therefore, there was a divergence where, you mm -hmm. know, um, for me, it was what I needed in order to not have diff bad feelings. Um, she became more and more aware of this, and I then got caught in a very difficult place for a very long time, perhaps five, ten years or so, um, where I would want not to drink in order to have um, a more um, secure and happy family life, you know, a marriage. Um, and yet I had no other way of dealing with bad feelings mm. when the feelings of loneliness or, I don't know, um, um, fear. It's, yeah. uh, I've learned I've learned through 12-step program um, about um, self-centered fear. And being aware of that has helped me to, to um, overcome the feelings of these feelings of that are overwhelming, dark feelings or whatever. I kind of see that I've learned that they are they come from you know the key word in there is self centered mm -hmm. fear that they are to do with focus on self and your own wants and needs. Um, and in twelve step program, they're quite sort of uh, the message is quite strong about um, not paying too much attention to what's going on in your own head. <laughs> um to listen to other people you know um and so what's going on in your own head is all those fears all those things you're anxious about um at some point that all needs to you need to find a way to um um i don't don't really understand it but at least to understand that that's the way your brain works that you will um overcomplicate things yes, and absolutely. um and and feed these fears and that a lot of those fears are my way of my way of understanding was that a lot of those fears are, in a sense, self. Um, what's the word? Driven. Um, perpetuating. Perpetuating. Yeah. yeah, and they come from. So they're coming from me, and therefore I have the I have the power. Hmm, I've got to be a bit careful here. Hmm. Well, there is a power in the world, at least um, if I could tap into it. That. Um, and it can't be me. It has to be something other than me. Mm. Um, so this is where 12 steps, when they talk about believing in a higher power, it, my understanding of it was simply that it's a power greater than yourself. Yeah. And that's the key. So if it's yourself, then you're focused on your self-centered fear. Yeah. And if there's a faith in a power greater than yourself, it's acceptance that the world will make sense in one way or another. You will be okay. Yes. And, and, for for sake of the discussion, yeah. you know, we're not necessarily talking about a god type person. You know, we could be talking yeah. about wisdom or 
or, yeah. or universal energy, Mother Nature. You yeah, know. it's it's um, a god of your understanding is the wording, and um, in a, in a twelve step program, um, which leaves the door wide open. You know, so it doesn't matter yeah. what it is. The, the point is that it's not you. Yes. Um, yeah. And you kind of you kind of got to get over yourself and. Um, laugh at yourself a bit, take yeah. yourself less seriously. I like a phrase I heard, which is, I may not be much, but I'm all I think about, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you kind of like e low self-esteem and a big ego. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm top dog, but at the same time, I'm sort of like not good enough. Yeah. Um, I kind of managed to turn that around and say, well, it's all about being, you know, um, part of, not more than or less than i'm not more than more important than you and i'm not less than you mm. i'm the same yeah and and finding that kind of leveling and, and you can get that in 12-step meetings where you're meeting people who have been who put a, haven't had a drink or whatever it is for many many years and others who have only just stepped in the door yeah um i'd really love to pick up on on yeah, that on. in a bit um because I'm, I'm really interested in in the recovery side of it mm. um when did it come to a head <laughs> yeah, when did it come to a head and you know how because this is precarious parenting so mm. at, at some point you became a father yeah and so how how did alcohol sit in that part of your yeah world? okay yeah um initially becoming a, far, a parent was terrifying because it was an extra burden i couldn't you know i was aware that i'm having i'm having difficulty managing my own feelings mm. um and you know that's creating strains within the marriage um nevertheless it's something that's a wonderful thing too you know so i, I and i you know so i was torn between mm. these two extremes you know pull between these two extremes you know it's something i desperately want but it's something that terrifies me mm. and um this the responsibility i think I mean, the, the the as a, as a the, there's a to some extent you know i was fearful of any kind of additional responsibility so that fear again mm. that would i be able to handle it or whatever mm. um in a sense, having when children arrived on the scene, you know, we had um, one, two, three, and by the time the third child was born, I um, I had stopped pretty much stopped drinking just after, mm. um, and that's partly because my partner said, "If you carry on, they will know." That's the most important thing today. Perhaps is that if you keep drinking, there will come a time when they will know, um, and that went in deep, you know. Um, so they were, young, yeah, they were young the two the two that were already with yeah, you were, were young enough young. to kind of i've talked to them since and they were young then and you know we, we have full and honest conversations but then not um because that message went through at that time mm. if if you if you don't stop now they will know fairly soon mm. um fortunately i heeded that message and got the help i needed at that point and therefore they may have some idea and it may and it most certainly almost certainly had some effect on them mm. you know because we young children absorb all sorts of things um from the um the environment around them and from their primary carers um parents <laughs> sounds like yeah but it's a good sounds point. Like, like a technical words doesn't it but um 
so they would have been aware of something but i've i've talked to them since and um and there's no love lost i don't need to you know that that's an important thing i need to stress and that was the gain for me that was i needed to remind myself and be thankful for that there was yeah. there is no love lost in fact there's no there are no strong enduring memories of you know dad making a fool of himself or falling over the christmas tree that never happened but you know i don't know what happened it would have been you know the the kind of experiences that would have been difficult would have been you know just as boring as not being conversational falling asleep in the armchair being a bit grouchy um yeah, not being I'm, present I'm, yeah not being present saying, yeah. being un unpredictable moody you know um tired when there's no real re need to be tired you know i'd found myself often saying oh i'm just tired yeah um and i suppose if children are tippy-toeing round a parent mm, mm. you know there's an awareness there i don't know if they were yeah. or they weren't but you know it, there's a kind of awareness that they're already considering mm. their behavior impacting i'll tell you why yeah. i'm asking that and i no, no. i think i mentioned this to you before but um my mother was an alcoholic and she mm. died at 62 which right. is young you know and mm. and she also smoked 80 a day mm. for as long as i knew mm. her so she really yeah. ravaged her body yeah. and she um she was the kind of drunk who would pass out in the street and crash her car and yeah you know just do some really stuff that as a teenager i found really really difficult yeah you know so there's something really great to hear that mm. yeah go on yet you know that hadn't none of those things happened to me they yeah. yet if i had carried on from the point yes then it, they would have come that those are the things that would have happened i would have and i'm sure of it i would have lost my license i'd have certainly i'd lost my self-respect already yeah. um yeah. lost contact with my kids these are all the things they in in it's a kind of joke in in um in a, in aa where they call them yetis you know people who say well i didn't lose anything i'm all right i might go back and they go well yeah you, you're a yeti it hasn't happened yeah. to you yet go yeah. out, go on be my yeah. guest go and go across the street to the nearest pub and yeah. wait and see how many how long it takes you to lose one of these things yeah um so your mum crashing her car and stuff it certainly would have happened to me yeah um i always remember that that, that um I, i'd sit in aa meetings and want to find that lovely story that was a sort of a drunkologue that was a often they, they 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 people would like would tell them and they were either gobsmacking or funny or whatever mm. but i i had great difficulty telling any stories about my drinking days because they were just dull yeah you know it was you know is there a story really in queuing up at a supermarket to buy a bottle of vodka yeah. in in saying it to yourself in the morning now nah, i'm i'm done with this and then by five o'clock on the way home yeah pulling in to buy another bottle because yeah. you know that once when the other stuff that fills your day is done what do you do when the brain starts you know when 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 all that other stuff recedes, then you're left back with the feelings that you've been trying to push back for the yeah. for, the, for a yeah. very long time. They're all there. Yes, um, we see. Now, my my mum was a nurse, right. and when she put on her nurse's uniform, she transformed into this just amazing character. Mm. And then scroll forward twenty years, mm. and she got struck off 
by having a can of Guinness in an open can of Guinness in a bag mm -hmm. in the staff room. So it was an instant dismissal. And it's like for I think for a long time when she was working, mm -hmm. she she didn't need the alcohol maybe until the end of the shift. Mm -hmm. And then even that eroded. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so it was she did well to start with, and some people can, can't they? Yeah, uh, can can yeah. uh, function high and hold down top level jobs, and yeah. um, you know, I did. In fact, at the point when I said to, I'll keep it, I'll keep this quite um, anonymous, but you know, I said to my line manager, um, "I'm not drinking. I'm going to AA." Um, he, he, I've been working with him for ten years, and he didn't believe it. Ah, okay. Yeah. Never smell alcohol on my breath. Never. Yeah. Um, and was that luck so, or the fact that you just didn't drink when you were at work? It was probably because I was holding my family life together too. So, so I was managing it. It was a, and that was backbreaking work. Yeah, and people talk sense. about the the, yeah. the the great relief of not having to buy bottles, dump bottles, hide bottles, yeah. lie to people. It's exhausting, um, and yeah. um, and lie to yourself and convince yourself that it's all okay and normal. Um, the whole business is absolutely knackering um yeah. and, and people i do feel you know that you know, tell the story about your mom and she must have been suffering you know to want oh, to open yeah. a can to want to open a to bother to open a can she's not having a laugh and that's yeah. a really important point to make i think is yeah. that is that you know i talked about you know in, in your 20s having a fun laugh, laugh with yeah. everybody else but those who stay on and keep drinking aren't doing it for fun. No, the fun's gone. The circus has left town. Absolutely, um, it's all about not having feelings. So that that's where your mum was, and I. And uh, you know, it's a shame that she never found a, got into a place where she could begin to understand that. You know, and um, and see, and just reach a moment where a moment of clarity. You know that. That's the bit that really intrigues me. Is yes. I don't know when that happened. Well, you the know, moment that's where what, I knew I wouldn't get a drink again. Well, yeah, because that's what I wanted to ask you. Because mm. when your wife said, um, "You know, here it is mm. now," yeah, that there was there must have been an insight there. There must have been a mm. shift. Yeah, I at that moment, I I did not want that to happen. I didn't want to. I knew that you know the model of drinking that you know my family I grew up with, where people, but it was all open, it was all out there, and everybody colluded, everybody was in it, so there was no secret, there wasn't secretive drinking, it was just there, you know, and everybody drank a lot, and that was that. But um, I I had had to, in order to deal with these feelings in an environment where drink isn't um, entirely normalised, you know, no, that's the wrong way of putting it, but. Um, big drinking isn't normalized um then i would have to do it secretively you know and that secretive behavior i disliked intensely in myself mm. um so you get in a sort of a cycle of um you know um drinking shame drinking you know yeah. so um so yeah um you remember what you did the night before and then the feelings of shame come up, which amplify the feelings of fear that are already there. Mm -hmm. The fear comes back, you drink to get rid of the fear. Mm -hmm. You're left with shame. Uh, it just goes, it's just self-perpetuating. Yeah. Your phrase you used. Yeah. Um, yeah. But 
the question was about um the insight that you had the moment that yeah you um, saw something enough <laughs> to make a decision to seek help i, I have suppose. to i have to hand all credit to although i don't attend 12-step meetings anymore to the first meeting i went to which most a lot of um recovering alcoholics will say i mean some will say they didn't get anything from the first meeting it was like they but they they managed to get back to another one a while later in which case they probably did get something from the first one yeah, if they went back point. at all yeah um but i don't know what i got back from the first meeting i don't i wasn't really I couldn't remember anything about it really mm. um except that i thought i was the most important person in the room and that my problem was you know yeah. um one that everybody needed to be gathering around and trying to find yes. the big solution for the big yeah. the magic the silver bullet you know there would be some easy fix for this which yeah. um and then i realized i'm just like everybody else and the in that room and the um you know the same as thing not more or less and that self-pity wouldn't work any kind of um like oh, i'm having a really bad time you should hear about my problems people people would very quickly walk away or you know yeah body language would say oh, we're not interested we don't want to hear your yeah. um wallowing in self-pity that's not what we want we want messages of hope yeah because the answer isn't there is it the no. answer isn't in the story no. or what i might say down the rabbit hole yeah the answer isn't there no it's not going it's not in um um to some extent you do need to you do need to later or at some point when you're capable of thinking clearly and maybe that's my journey into therapy and through therapy and i had some experience of that anyway um but in various forms not necessarily mm. in a counseling environment but yeah. um but a lot of it was just through talking to people mm. that i met in the in in AA rooms or elsewhere, you know, mm -hmm. um, anybody who was uh, open to talk about it. And and initially, you're not really in a position to explore your why you drink. The big question, why the rabbit hole? I think yeah. is like, why is this happening to me? Why am I like this? Yeah. And that um, and that can only come later yeah. when you've got greater clarity. Initially, you just need the very simple AA message, which is which is keep drinking, it will kill you. Yeah. They're very stark, you know, this is yeah. going to kill you. You don't believe us, go out and try. And it's yeah. it's a tough love message. Um, but later there's a, you know, you it's, and this is where I've come to in more re in later, in more recent years, um, is thinking about that question, why? Why was I, why was I like that? What was motivating it? And so that, that's a, a more difficult thing of, of um, without self-pity going into, you know what were my experiences when i was younger that made me like that why why was i like that mm -hmm. um and i think it's still i still think it's jury's out on the nature nurture thing and that it's some about some of each and it's not even 50 50 it depends on who mm. you know on your your situation but um um you know i can find reasons in my past that you know the damn that there were damage there was damage and I look, I look kindly at most people who have a problem with drink or drugs or gambling or shopping or sex or whatever else. You know, it's all the same thing in my mind, uh, obsessive, compulsive yeah. behavior yeah. around these things. Yeah. Um, and um, the, um, but I, some people say, you know, well, 
you're not a bad person. That's the first thing. And then people say, you're a sick person. And I disagree with that as well. Yeah. Um, not a bad person. You're just a sick person trying to get better. That's an AA idea, which kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a sick person. I Therefore, yeah. I feel I need, you know, doctor, doctor, prescribe me some pills. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sick. I, I've come to see that I prefer to say you're a damaged person. Some, somehow damage has come along, you know, whether, whether it was in your genes yeah. or, um, or a life experience, yeah. but, but somehow you've, you've come out sort of bent out of shape mm. and you can be I like that. Bent and you can be back. You can find a way to, uh, work through those things. You yeah. know, for me, it would have been issues like the fact that I have a twin twin and we were separated um that I went to boarding school at eight into a brutal regime and I'm a very sensitive yeah. <laughs> very sensitive person um uh, oversensitive and that's part that's part of the features of um, one of the characteristics of people who who um drink in this way you know and that led to a um a, a sort of roller coaster ride between home environment which was very um exciting and free mm. um i was in pretty much free to do whatever i wanted and um no, no not entirely true but um, um oh, it was a complete yeah. contrast to the rules and regulations around the term time experience and i wasn't alone in that you know a lot of my peers at boarding school hit the bottle hard i know that my friend i've been talking to recently he was one of four who were moved up a year early and of those four, two had died through alcoholism already. No, oh, man. One was a moral marine. Um, you know, they had successful careers. But anyway, yeah, but yeah so it, yeah. it came from that stable. There were, it was a problem yeah. emerging from that environment, yeah. um, partly. Yeah. But it was a whole. But I don't blame. The important thing is that, I, that, that the blame game is not helpful. No. That's a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I don't blame my parents for what they've for a moment for the way they were um, i yeah. imagine you perhaps feel the same yeah about your mum now i yeah. don't know yeah, yeah, um yeah. but blaming them seems it's not it's not a kind of loyalty that i i can't possibly condemn i can see them for what they were yeah they did the best with the yeah. information they had they were flawed human beings and yeah. um but it's, that's not in the end the solution to my drinking problem was with me and the decisions that the choices i make today every day um not with looking back at them and trying to fix them no. or, or change their lives they were struggling with their own yeah. stuff yeah. um and i think it's really important what you've just said um because for me that was part of a journey and i went to Anon, which mm. is the um you know the Sister. aa support for mm. siblings children yeah. of partners of and um I didn't go that long, but it it was really helpful. Mm. They asked me to forgive my mother's behavior. And at that point in my mm. early 20s, I wasn't able to, yeah. but I was later. Mm. And I started to see her as a woman who'd made some really dud choices. Mm. And she was kind of living in this um, roller coaster, like you said, of, of more and more but dud choices. And yeah. she but she was always doing the best of what she had moment to moment. Mm. She really was. And actually, um, I'll just tell you really quickly that I, I, I as you you know, I've been married twice. Uh, first wedding, I, I had to say to my mum, uh, I'm really sorry, but I don't want you there. Mm. And it broke my heart. It was very, very difficult. Mm. And she was 
absolutely mortified and i said mm. i just can't have you there she used to have vomit down her front and you know mm. she was a walking disaster yeah. when it came to alcohol yeah. and she was devastated anyway she put herself in recovery into mm. detox facility for mm. a couple of weeks not very long mm. she came to the wedding she was sober and she was still up we were all partying at five in the morning mm. and she was there with us sober mm. and now i know how hard that must have been well i mm. think i know yeah and she did that that was an absolute gift of love yeah and that was not long after the recovery her, her detox yeah she did the detox so she could come to the wedding oh. and then she went straight back into drinking mm. but i just yeah. feel that she gave me something yeah it was, it was a true gift yeah yeah you, you're absolutely right that would have taken a monumental effort and i don't know anything about detox because i never well i know people have done them um some successfully often not yeah because it's a well, I think hers was a mean to an end. It yeah, was purely yeah. to get to that wedding yeah. day. And she did. Yeah. But it, oh my gosh, you know, you and I could talk for hours. We really could. Yeah. But I'm going to start wrapping it up. Yeah, yeah, sure. And unless there's anything you want to say. Um, then there's just an idea that suddenly occurred from that, yeah. that, that the idea that it's a kind of a marathon, yeah. not sprint thing. It's a bit of a yeah. cliche, but um, in a way, I saw it so, so getting well as a long-term thing yeah i need to be get well and stay well yes um but at the same time got to keep it in the day and that's a powerful aa message which which um anybody who's sort of not sure about this they have a card which is called the just for today card and on that there's very very simple messages about just what you do in one day mm. um, and if if you can get through one day Mm. and every day is one day yeah. then they add up and before you know it, you get to a place like the place i am in now where i really honestly don't think about drinking at all yeah i'm not interested yeah. um it, it's not something that troubles me and i love I, and i love having when i get difficult feelings difficult things happen to me and when bad feelings come crowding in i'm okay about that mm. you know I'm, i'd rather have them than not yeah because I'm alive. Yes. And, um, and, you know, and before, to some extent, you know, I wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. And you've talked about two people who aren't, you know, from your original friendship group. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. my mother too. And, 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 and actually living, being alive and living fully you know, with all your emotions. Being present. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, Andy, as we wrap up, you know, if anybody's listening to this message and they're wondering, maybe they just reach for the white wine too often, or maybe, maybe mm. there's a dependency, maybe there's not, you know, mm. or whatever, you know, what would be your message to them? Um, I think the main, the, the, the main thing that occurs to me is not reaching for the wine just now at this moment. I mean, that might be a good thing, but you have to have that conversation in your head about um what you'll you know what you will put in its place you know so i think that's a that's a that's a message you know so if you're not going to you need to get up and go for a walk you need to find something else to mm. do um you know fix something that needs fixing mm. go for a walk go and spend some time with somebody put things in mm. where 
not 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 initially anyway you have to like put a, things into your life you have to get short-term distraction busy, but, things yeah. yeah um yeah um and that's where things like AA meetings are good because you right. the, that fills a, a gap a hole mm -hmm. and um so it's a substitute in a sense for the right. drinking and so that so some of those things I still do but on my own terms like exercise and going out and about in the um in beautiful places and uh, the, all of these things are what I and when I wake up in the morning, I say, what, what's my, what am I looking forward to? What's good? And I do have stuff to look forward to. These, these things I've, I've just rediscovered. And you probably, and um, somebody's out there and drinking, go back to what you loved mm. before you picked up a drink mm. and go and find those things again. Pick mm. up where you left off. Mm. Um, now go back to that child, inner child. Mm. Um, and pick up where you left off. And I get that, for, you know, like a child will go, sorry, quick ramble here, but, you know, like that inner child will walk into a garden and, you know, the, a, an adult will say the grass needs cutting and a child will say that there are lots of daisies on the lawn, yeah. you know, so yeah. go back to the simple stuff and enjoy, actually enjoy living in the moment a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But definitely don't put that, don't stop the drink and sit and feel miserable about it. If you're not going to have that glass of wine, do something, else that is going to make you feel good about yourself oh that's fantastic mm. um i really could i could talk to you for much much longer than this maybe we'll end up doing another podcast but mm. um i just want to thank you because i know that this is not an easy topic and um and i really thank you for your honesty and your your openness thank you marie listening to precarious parenting by realization works subscribe to realizationworks.com to access more resources including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people